I'm definitely, and I think a lot of us are like this, that start and found and grow businesses. I have a lot of strong opinions <laughs> and I can be a little bossy and like have all of those qualities that sort of have helped me to get all of this done and, you know, grow this business. But I think I've always found in, in that inflexible things break. This is the What Works Podcast, and I'm your host, Tara McMullen. If you want to build a business that can stand the test of time, you need to figure out what works for you and your small company. That's why every week I talk with real small business owners about what's really working for them. I want to help you fill in all the details of how others do what they do so you can fill in the details that work for you. Today, my guest is Kate Strathman, the founder and director of Wanderwell, a business consulting firm based in Philadelphia. Kate believes a business is like a massive art project. You lead with a vision, and then you got to get granular and execute. She's an expert in translating big, creative, passionate ideas into sustainable reality. She honed fierce negotiation skills over years living in India, learned the true meaning of the buzzword sustainable while organic farming in Minnesota, and has developed an intuitive, flexible approach to her work with over 20 years of yoga study practice. She now lends her breadth of experience to shepherding ideas from napkin sketches to robust balance sheets and emboldening owners to exceed their own expectations. Kate and her team are up to something pretty special at Wonderwell. They're examining what it really means to build a business model, management structure, and marketing system in line with their values. Kate and I chat about how she's incorporating democratic principles into her single owner business, what it means to lead more and manage less, how she's able to take a generous amount of vacation time without the business falling apart, and how defining clear roles has helped her team thrive. Now, let's find out what works for Kate Strathman. Kate Strathman, welcome to What Works. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Tara. Absolutely. All right. So since we're going to kind of dig deep into the values and the mindset and the principles that create the foundation of your business, I'd kind of like to set the stage by having you tell us how Wonderwell came to be and what exactly it is that you do for your clients. Totally. It's been a it's been a long, strange trip. Um, so um, the gist of what we do is uh, we provide bookkeeping and consulting services to small businesses. Um in a really human-centered way. And that looks like consulting and strategy with a really strong financial foundation. Um, and, you know, we've been around since about 2012-ish. And when we started, we were really doing more, um, I'd say traditional business planning and development work. And just straight up, you know, like writing business plans and stuff like that. and. When we first started, and I had a part, I started with a partner who's since exited the company, but um, we literally dusted an LLC off the shelf. So the original name of the company was called Elysian Fields Baseball, <laughs> which is super weird, <laughs> has nothing to do with what we were doing, um, but was literally from, uh, it was an LLC, like literally sitting on a shelf unused from a deal that didn't go through to acquire a minor league baseball team. Um, I had nothing to do with this. This might but... be the best business origin story I've ever heard. <laughs> it's really strange, but it was one of those, I think it really speaks to the quirky origins of like, yeah, sure, we're going to do business consulting and be called Elysian Fields Baseball. Why not? <laughs> 
Um, at some point, we did drop the baseball to be, as I say, 50% less confusing. Um, but, um, you know, along the way, I think what we found is that a lot of, maybe even the majority of the small business owners we were working with did not have clear financials. And we're really struggling to get that information. Um, so that's how the, that was the genesis of the bookkeeping side of the business. Um, of just feeling like, you know, we can do this better uh, than a lot of the bad options that people are seeking out. Um, and so that became a really foundational piece of the business. Um, and so a lot of our clients move sort of back and forth between, like they'll be bookkeeping clients and then we'll do either long-term or project-based consulting around kind of growth problems and stuff like that. Um, and in a pretty still offbeat, I would say, feelings-oriented, very non-traditional kind of way. Um, and then, you know, in the past year, it, you know, partner exited, and then it just, it felt really clear to me that we had outgrown this sort of non-sequitur name and home that we had been in. And I just felt really clearly that I wanted to build a new home for the work we were doing. And my vision and the vision we were building as a team. And so that's how Wanderwell came to be. Um, it was actually a domain name I had purchased like three years ago on the fly, but felt like the right kind of name, ethos. And um, so have spent sort of the last nine months or so kind of building towards that and then finally relaunched in August about a month ago. That's awesome. What does the, what does the wonder well concept or name, what does that mean to you? What's the, is there a story behind that? Yeah. So there's sort of two stories. I mean, the name, the word itself actually came from, and like, this isn't on the website. I don't really, you know, this is kind of a back channel story, but um, there was an adventurous in the early 1900s named Aloha Wanderwell, and she traveled around the world in a Model T Ford. I think she covered six continents. <laughs> um, and a friend of mine told me about her because um, I am a travel fanatic and spent a lot of my 20s kind of nomadic and living in other countries. And so um, there was something about her story that I was like, ooh, this kind of speaks to me. Um, so that's where the name, the word came from. But in terms of kind of the work and how it fits is, and I, you know, I think the the branding really speaks to this too. But, um, you know, it's, it's really important to me that we don't have any kind of right way or sort of top down old school way of saying like, this is the way you do your business. Um, and so I think the, the kind of the word wander in a literal sense um, to me speaks to the kind of spaciousness and openness to what we're trying to do and kind of the space we're trying to give the folks we work with um, to find their own way. And that to say that like, there isn't, you're not going to figure out right away. This is a nonlinear process. Um, there's going to be lots of ups and downs and twists and turns, and it's kind of an adventure. And, um, you know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, not to be too trite about it, but we want to do well and feel well and be well. And so that's kind of the like unpacking that word. 
Well, that's just really incredible and completely tickles me. And I'm so excited to learn more about all of that story. So um, you mentioned that it's really important to you to not do business in that kind of top down, we're going to tell you what to do fashion. And you also mentioned to me before our interview that you're working to bring democratic principles into a single owner business. And I really want to unpack that democratic principles piece, but I'd like to pause for a second on this top down kind of hierarchical aspect that becomes really inherent in business or can become really inherent to business. Um, And this is something that I'm thinking about a lot Mm -hmm. lately as well. And so I'm curious from your perspective and in your own business, what's so bad about having kind of a, it's my way or the highway or what I say goes type of business? (laughs) Yeah, I love this question. (laughs) You know, I think the first thing, and I should say, like, like to ground this, that I'm definitely, and I think a lot of us are like this, that start and found and grow businesses. I have a lot of strong opinions, <laughs> and I can be a little bossy and, like, have all of those qualities that sort of have helped me to get all of this done and, you know, grow this business, but... I think I've always found and that I think a lot of it is that inflexible things break. Like we kind of know this from the laws of physics and other spaces, but you know, the like the my way or the highway thing is really an inflexible kind of mindset that doesn't allow a lot of outside input, opinions, all of these things in. And so I think for me, it's really, it feels really important to not really get centered in my own experience um, solely. And, you know, it's also this business isn't all about me. It never has been. Um, it's about a larger mission and kind of helping people do business in a different kind of way. Um, and so it would be really out of alignment, I think, to say like, well, this is exactly like how you're supposed to do this thing. And um, you know, you're doing your business wrong. <laughs> um, so I think that's a lot of it. Um, and, and I think there's, I've also found that that kind of mentality is not as resilient over time. Um, it tends to be, it's overly dependent on one person and their personality. Um, some of those businesses can be reliant on really charismatic personalities and, Um, I think we're seeing a lot, you know, even politically right now, how much that really doesn't work or serve humans or serve all types of humans. Um, And I love this. uh, The writer Adrienne Marie Brown um, has this phrase called the emperor has no squad, (laughs) which I love because it's like, I think it speaks to that kind of model of the charismatic leader where the business is all about them and their perspective and you know over time I think there's a there's a lack of resiliency because you don't have more perspectives um, showing up. Yeah I completely agree. I mean the more I think about what's wrong with small business today and specifically digital small business, mm-hmm. it really seems like there's there's like this mean authoritarian streak 
throughout a lot of the businesses yeah. in our community. And it's, and, and I can see it in my own business or, or, and I'm working against that obviously, yeah. but, um, but it's really been eye opening, And I, I, I love the way that you describe this. I love, you know, the idea that inflexible things break and that we can become more flexible and more resilient by not having that kind of top down, yeah. it's my way or the highway, um, approach. Yeah. And I also very strongly resonate with the, um, idea that uh you are super opinionated i am also super opinionated <laughs> and um i i'm very interested in how we build around the tension of creating a very collaborative very yeah. human-centered business while also like playing to that strength because i think that is a a strength yeah. do, do you see that as a strength of yours I, your opinions yeah i do and i i think i think that tension you know for me is that and i uh, we work a lot with cooperative businesses and it's something I know a lot about. Um, I come from that background of activism and sort of being kind of an anarchist when I was a teenager and living in cooperatives. And so I have a lot of experience in those kind of non-hierarchical environments. And at the same time, um, you know, that's not the kind of business structure that I have right now. And I'm not sure, you know, it might be a point in the future where we do become a cooperative um, fully. I'm, I'm not sure at this point, but I think the, the having a strong vision and being able to kind of set that container for my team has felt really important as we've built. And then I think the challenge for me, um, and this is like, I'm really you know, working on this kind of every day, I think, is how to kind of shut up sometimes. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and I think this maybe points to another point about like, what's wrong with it's my way or the highway. that I think about a lot now lately is that, um, you know, like work, especially if we have full time ish jobs, it's the space where we often spend the majority of our time. And I think a lot about how we can support folks to show up as full humans in the space where they spend the majority of their time and really like make their contribution to that too. Like if, if folks are just serving my kind of mono perspective and just doing what I say all the time, um, I think that does a real disservice to the people I work with, their own expertise and, um, and also to myself. Cause it's like, you know, there's a lot of things I'm not good at and I don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's one of the most humbling parts of growing a team and building a business structure. Yeah. Amen to that. All right. Let's start to dig into some of the nitty gritty um, underneath these concepts. And you know me, I, I'm so I'm so enamored with the, the concepts and I would love to stay there all day and we can continue to talk about that. But I also want to talk about how this is actually executed yeah. within your own business. So um, going back to this idea of incorporating the principles of democracy into a single owner business, what are some of those principles that are most important to you and the structure of your business and how do they actually play out on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so I think some of them... Um... Some of them show up more in terms of values and kind of how we live those values. So one that's really important um, to me and I know to my team especially is that of autonomy 
and having a lot of flexibility for our whole lives to be supported by our work and our business. So, you know, we do things like have a really flexible work schedule um, because, you know, for the most part, it's sort of a nine to five ish, but, you know, like I do go and work out in the middle of the day and I have other team members that like just don't work on Friday mornings because they don't want to. <laughs> and, you know, and there's there's certain times of the day where it's like, I can't really tell you what people are doing or where they are in the world. <laughs> um, and that's fine. <laughs> it's like, the, I, you know, it, it builds a lot of trust and I think takes a lot of trust to really, you know, like people are going to get their work done and um, they might not do it best in a sort of, I'm going to sit, in a seat for eight hours and stare at a computer without breaks. (laughs) Um, And so I think letting people kind of self-manage and figure out what works best for them in terms of their own productivity, in terms of their own work um, is a big part of kind of practically how we do that. Um, And then some of the other principles that I think about all the time, and these are ones in which I think there's, always a lot of tension in terms of, you know, being a single owner business and kind of democratic piece is um, values around equity and equality. Mm. Um, Because, you know, right now, um, uh, like, the equity is mine. (laughs) Like, that's just how it's structured. That's, um, that's the legal framework under which we are living. (laughs) And so that's something I think about a lot. And, you know, I do want to move towards um, looking at profit sharing and things like that, in which the equity doesn't just go back to the business or go to me um, or the profit. And, you know, and I think on the equality front, that's a lot of sort of like I I have to slow down a lot. Um, and I think, you know, at this point, kind of with the team I have, like, I wouldn't make necessarily make blanket policy decisions. Like if I was going to change our vacation policy, um, it wouldn't be like me sending an email or showing up in a meeting and being like, hey, guys, this is the deal. But I think those are real moments where governance can be collective in a sole business where like we get to decide as a group of humans showing up um, what works best for us. Uh, and people can, you know, like have as equal a say as I do in a lot of ways. Um, and that's, those are some of the sort of practical and sometimes very complicated and sticky. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay. So I would I'd love to dig into that last bit a little bit more because you, you mentioned that you have a little bit of a background in cooperative business and anarchism and, and uh, all of those things that are, I think, probably often misunderstood. But um, my husband also has a background in cooperative business and, and uh, oh, the, yeah. the anarchist per, uh, philosophy. And, um, and so we talk a lot about these things. And I know one of the things that he um, got so sick of <laughs> in his experience with cooperative business was sort of the management by committee piece where, you know, yeah. The, the, particular group, <laughs> yeah, the particular group he worked with, everyone had to agree before something could happen. And it was yeah. like, this just, this doesn't work. You yeah. know, it, it it's just, it is going to break down. So how 
Do you have a particular process or procedure for getting people involved and invested without succumbing to the dangers of management by committee? Yeah, that's such a good point. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's, you know, I don't, I don't really say this much anymore, but there was a number of years where I used to joke that I was really into running a benevolent dictatorship (laughs) more than a co-op or like a consensus model. (laughs) Right. Um, I've sort of moved on from that. um, Yeah, I think, you know, this is definitely something that feels like a real work in progress. Um, and I'm definitely trying to figure out of sort of like, when do we come together as a team and figure stuff out? When do we come together as sort of folks with more management responsibility and figure it out? And, um, I, I think a lot of it for us, what works is that when we're a small team, like there's only six of us. So, um, it's not like, we're having it showing up to a town hall of 50 people and trying to figure this all out. Um, so that definitely helps. But I think, you know, part of it is that we do have really clear roles and ownership. Um, and, and I think this helps with sort of the, like the kind of tension between being the, the vocal leader and how does that fit into a business? That's not just all about me and my perspective is that, you know, part of my role is to be the one that's looking out on the horizon furthest. And so, you know, I'm kind of like the most big picture. And so, but, you know, my operations person who's awesome, like she's looking a little bit more shorter term over a few months. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that like, I wouldn't say we're super hierarchical, but there's definitely different levels of um, viewpoint and kind of what kinds of decisions are we owning? Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I, I found this takes, it takes time to, um, like, I think there's certain pieces of, you know, around like capacity and how many bookkeeping clients can we take on and when do we stop and like those kinds of things which I've been working to really hand that off. So I'm kind of not in charge of it, the decisions anymore as much. Um, And it takes a lot, like I've had to guide that process a lot. um, And that's partly just of like longevity and job and kind of where we're at as a company and kind of moving. But um, ultimately, like, I think, you know, you can sort of manage in different directions around what you own so like I'm kind of I'm in the like sales marketing seat and ultimately like the goal is that I know how many slots we have open in November for new clients but I'm not necessarily the person that made that decision Mm. like the team kind of knows their capacity better than I do at this point so ultimately kind of our goal and what we've been working on for a few months is that they tell me (laughs) when they're ready. And, you know, there's some bigger picture stuff around revenue goals and kind of like longer term that I might pull back on or push on a bit or kind of bring them into. But ultimately, like, you know, and I've gotten in trouble with this before where I'm like, go, go, go more grow and it's caused a lot of chaos because Mm -hmm. 
it was too much. And I should have been pumping the brakes and listening to the team better because they knew where they were at. And I didn't, and it kind of created a clusterfuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like lesson learned, but um, I think that's part of the tension too that we were talking about around like, you know, being an opinionated person that's like (laughs) trying to lead the charge, but at the same time, um, you know, really slowing down to listen to the people that know better than I do. Yeah, I love that as a really concrete example of what you're talking about here, because it it shows how much you can still contribute as a visionary and as a leader to your business. And also, um, you're you've essentially removed this very um, like very concrete, very tangible piece of um decision-making from your plate, which also then creates a safeguard against you exploiting your team members in the service of bigger revenue goals. And that's huge. Yep. Yeah. And I I think that's part, that's part of the, the sort of co-op coming into the piece where, you know, the workers are more in control than my just sort of like cracking the whip all the time and be like more. (laughs) Um, Cause you know, Nobody likes to feel that way. (laughs) Um, So, and, and, you know, and if we're trying to sort of like, this goes back to the autonomy piece of like having more control over your work day and kind of rhythm of working um, is like, I don't want to work 68 hours a week. And I like to take a lot of vacations (laughs) because it helps me do my job better. And so I think some of the slowing down and kind of, uh, pumping the brakes on the growth and really like putting some of that control, a lot of that control with the team more and more is that we kind of get to decide what rhythm we work at. Um, do we want to like push more because more revenues, great needed, et cetera, stuff like that. Or, you know, do we want to take more vacations right now? <laughs> or like, you know, where's that sort of balance um, so that our lives can be a bit more integrated and not just, you know, growth for the sake of growth? Awesome. All right. So we've talked a lot about kind of the good stuff behind building yeah. your business this way. <laughs> I'm curious about the mistakes side. I mean, the podcast is called What Works, but I think just as equally as important is like, what hasn't worked? <laughs> So I'm really curious, maybe you could give us even just one mistake that you've made on the path uh, and then yeah, the journey to kind of redeveloping or developing your company into something that is more democratic, that is a little bit more cooperative and less of that benevolent dictatorship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest learning curve for me is just about how I'm showing up in the business. And this ties directly to kind of the rebrand and wanting to have a feel like we're in the right home for the vision that we're Mm. building. Um, Is that there was a, there was definitely a period where, and it took me a little while to realize because it shows up as dysfunction that I wasn't really fully showing up. I was kind of hiding out. Um, I'm pretty introverted. So And I've been this way since I was a kid. Like I could happily sit in a room and kind of like think and write and do the work and not talk to anybody for three days. Yes. (laughs) And I wouldn't really notice. Um, But that's, 
not really helpful for a team. <laughs> it's really too bad because <laughs> it sounds wonderful. Yeah, I know. It's sort of my dream on the one hand, but it's also, you know, there were times where I realized I was doing that and um, just not available enough where I remember at some point last summer, uh, one of my team who was newer at the time um, saying something along the lines of like, he didn't feel like he could bug me. Mm. Like he wanted, he want he sort of had the like, impression that he needed to leave me alone (laughs) right and that was a really big wake-up call where I was like oh like that's what I'm doing that um that's that completely has to do with how I'm showing up the energy I'm putting off which at the time was very like boundaried and kind of like I need to protect my time and my space um and I think really started a process of having to kind of shift how I was showing up in ways that were really uncomfortable for me. Um, I'm really resistant to kind of routine and things like that. So stuff like regular recurring meetings um, at a visceral level drive me a little nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, what I found though is that, and we're based in Philly, but most of the team is remote. And with having a mostly remote team, even if we're like wasting our time and don't have a real agenda, having really having anchor times every week where we're seeing each other face to face is one of the most important things I think we've figured out and developed together. Um, So I think some of that was like having to get over myself and be like, well, I would love to like disappear for three days and kind of not talk to anybody and think about these things but um that's a really me-centric way to be in this business as a leader um and it's not in service to the team and it's not in service to our mission or our clients or you know anything like that so that that was a real sort of personal learning curve around just how I'm wired and figuring out how to sort of shift my mindset and show up in a different way yeah, I can really, really, really relate to that as a as a new mistake that I thought I, so. Yeah, that I've learned <laughs> that I've made. Um, and you know, your point about your team member saying like that he didn't feel like he could bug you. For me, it's always been that you know when people come to creative live audiences or they meet me at a meetup, they're like, I just didn't imagine you'd be this approachable, and I'm like, why? <laughs> But it's because of exactly what you were talking about, that you, out of the, out of a very necessary and very important um, kind of quest for boundaries and Mm -hmm. understanding what your strengths and what works for Mm -hmm. you and where you get energy from and how you do your Mm -hmm. best work. I think a lot of us have overcorrected or we haven't allowed, you know, tension keeps coming up as a theme here, but we haven't allowed for that sort of tension. And I think what I'm also hearing from you too, is that when you, when you give yourself the imperative to show up like that, to be approachable, to have that anchor time with your team, that then when you do go and unplug, whether it is to get uh, go through a big piece of work like your rebrand or whether it's to take a nice vacation like you like to do, there's actually a lot more space to do those things because yeah. you've been willing to show up in the time where that was the right thing to do. Yep. Yeah. And there's this, you know, I think boundaries are one of my greatest strengths. Um, like I'm, I'm really good at helping our clients with this. It's um, something I've been able to build effectively in the business so that 
like we can take space. Um, like clients don't bug us on weekends because we're not available. Um, things right. like that. But it's also, and there, there's this quote by uh, this meditation teacher, Jessica Snow, that comes to mind that I think really speaks to this to me where she wrote, and I think about this all the time, um, you are not in control, you are in relationship. Mm. And that was sort of one of those like gut, like, oh, I can set all the boundaries I want. But at the end of the day, like, you know, this thing we're building is really about being in relationship. And I'm in relationship with my team and our clients and all of those things. And so like building those relationships is one of the most important parts. Um, and, and I think that's how you kind of avoid the like emperor has no squad <laughs> problem of like, you know, if you don't, and, and this, I think this is something that was part of that learning curve is like, oh, like I can't just disappear all the time because then nobody's going to care about this mission. Yes. Um, and like, and, and if I disappear on vacation, it's like, well, it's not like they have it handled, which I did just get back from an almost two week vacation where I didn't check my email or check, you know, like talk to the team at all, really. Um, and I think this time, and they say this to me, is like, they're really excited that I do that. <laughs> <laughs> and because one, it gives them permission to do the mm -hmm. same thing. Um, like, I'm not going to go bug them when they're on vacation because that's not cool. Um, and they give me the same respect. But also the, like, I think they kind of see how hard I'm working too and mutually and that like, we really need those breaks. And so it's less about me sort of just not being available and disappearing and more about me um, taking an intentional break in which I feel actually more supported in doing so because I'm like oh they got yeah. this and they totally did they're awesome like I came back and I was like any fires and they're like nah <laughs> so you know there was like very little to kind of like deal with after I came back um which I think is not normally how the sort of small business script goes no no it's not <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just keeping an eye on our time here, there's one last thing um, that I really want to ask you about kind of both conceptually and like, how is this executed wise? You mentioned to me that you are working on doing more leading and less managing. Can you talk about how you see the difference and maybe an example of how that shows up in your business today? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think going on vacation for two weeks and not checking True. email is a good example of that. <laughs> but um, I think, you know, management is often about getting tasks done right and on time and, you know, all of those things. And I think I'm, I'm seeing more and more that leadership is really about the relationship building and the ecosystem and kind of being the person that's showing up and holding the container and making the space for everybody. Um, and, and I think I'm more and more like, and, and this is again, like this is such a messy, hard process. <laughs> and I know I screw it up all the time because um, I have strong opinions and there are things that I know are like right or I do know a little bit more about from experience. But um, 
You know, I, I think one of the things that I've been very imperfectly trying to be more conscious of and do is not necessarily always giving the answer, even though I know it, or I know what my answer yeah. would be. Um, but like, you know, one of my team might come to me with a kind of conundrum or something that cropped up with a client issue. And I think instead of sort of diving into like fixing and problem solving and being like, well, this is what I would do and what I would say of, I've been trying to be conscious to sort of pause and be like, well, do you want to send me a response and I can like, like give you feedback or look at it for you? Um, or like, well, what do you think we should do? Or like, actually, that's not my job at all. Like ask Michelle because she's right. the expert on that. <laughs> like, I don't know. So I think that's sort of the day-to-day work um, is letting everybody I'm working with be the experts of their domains um, rather than my being the person where everybody's looking to the an- the, for the that. answer from. I love that. All right, Kate, what's next for Wonderwell? Ooh, um, well, I'm, I'm very excited. I... We, in partnership with the Philadelphia Area Cooperative Alliance, who we've been working with for a number of years, um, are through a grant from the city of Philadelphia. And this feels huge because it's like um, a city financially supporting this kind of work. Uh, We'll be doing a bunch of cooperative business development initiatives over the next nine months or so. And this will allow us to do subsidized um, business development and one-on-one work with startup and growth, you know, early growth stage co-ops, which are often under-resourced and undercapitalized for all sorts of reasons. So um, don't necessarily have the resources to put towards this kind of work, but, um, you know, it it allows us the space to support their growth and success. Um, and supported by a city, which is awesome. So cool. Well, Kate Strathman, thank you so much for this fascinating conversation. And thank you so much for for playing with me, both in the conceptual areas and in the nitty gritty of how your business operates. I know people are going to have just a ton of takeaways from this conversation. Thanks, Tara. This was really fun. Find out more about Kate Strathman and Wanderwell at wanderwellconsulting.com. What Works is brought to you by Co-Commercial. Every question you have about your small business is a lesson someone else had to learn the hard way. What if you could learn directly from the people who have already figured it out so you could skip the trial and error, the hours of research, and the heartache they went through to get answers? At Co-Commercial, that's exactly what you can do. We give you access to a support network of hundreds of small business owners who generously share their experiences, expertise, and hard lessons learned. We give you a one-stop shop for all your small business questions, whether you need to know about hiring a new team member, launching a new product, managing your time, or perfecting your messaging. Co-Commercial helps our members save loads of time, fill in the gaps in their education, and start lifelong business relationships. Don't wait another day to become a member. Here's what happens when you apply for membership. First, you tell us what goal you're working towards and where you're struggling. Next, a member of our team personally reviews your application and any questions you have about membership. 
Then you receive an email with personalized recommendations for how to start your membership and ideas for making your first post so you can get support as quickly as possible. Once you're in, our team continues to support you whenever you need help. Most of our members get more than the value of the membership fee in just 45 minutes per week. Ready to join? Go to cocommercial.co and apply for membership. There's no risk to you. Applying is free. And once you join, if you're not impressed with the quality of support and depth of conversation at CoCommercial in the first 30 days, we'll refund your membership fee. To apply for membership, go to cocommercial.co. That's cocommercial.co. That's it for this week's episode of What Works. If you love getting a behind-the-scenes look at how real small business owners are making it work, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you enjoy listening. We also appreciate you leaving a review and sharing the podcast with your friends or colleagues. What Works is produced by Rosie Medias and edited by Marty Seafelt. Kristen Runvik prepares our show notes. Our opening music is by The Shrugs, and our ad music is by Marley Carroll. Tune in next week for another look at how small businesses actually work.